Welcome to the third ever episode of the Movie Morons Podcast. I'm Alex. That's Will somewhere in the universe. I'm Will. Howdy. Can you set up for these people what we're going to be doing today? Uh, yeah. So we're going to be talking about some movies. Uh, going to be talking about movies that came out in the second half of June 2018, not <laughs> like last year or anything, because that would be super outdated. But, you know, it's two weeks into July, so we felt like uh, people are clamoring to hear us talk about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and Uncle Drew, and we figured, you know, no better time than, than right tag. now. Don't forget about here, Tag. Today. It was the breakout movie of the month. Of the whole month. It was the breakout <laughs> movie of movies named Tag that came out oh, yeah. in June 2018. Did you know that uh, Jeremy Renner's arm had like got broken during tag, no. so they had to CGI his arm? Good for him. Yeah, it's probably like, the best part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, way better than the mustache. Uh, like on what was his name? Henry Cavill. The Superman's mouth. Uh, <laughs> shit. Oh, good job, Henry buddy. Cavill. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Uh, that's like that's no. a basic fact. Can't even get those right uh, yeah. today. But yeah, it looked way better yeah. than that. Well, there were some movies we saw that probably were not better than the CGI and Henry Cavill's mustache, but we'll see about that. We'll right. see. You want to just get into this? Yeah, so we're just going to run down these movies from worst to best uh, in terms of our average rating out of 10. All right. So... At the bottom of this lovely list, coming in at number seven, was a movie that Will rated a whole 3.6. I was very, very low on it, a 3.0, leading to a 3.3. It is super, super fly, fly for a white guy. Which probably nobody's even heard of, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, it came out on a Wednesday. Uh, Never a good sign. It's always a good sign. Never a good sign. Um, So let me read you this synopsis here. With retirement on his mind, a successful young drug dealer sets up one last big job while dealing with trigger-happy colleagues and the police. It stars Trevor Jackson as Priest Youngblood. That's his name, Priest Youngblood. And Jason Mitchell as Eddie, of of course. I don't remember who Eddie is in the movie, but I assume that was a character. Well, you can't even pretend to be excited about this movie you can't even. It's a movie. Uh, I'm excited to talk about two scenes in this movie. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, but before we get there, this movie is so forgettable. Like, I'll be honest, probably the day after I saw it at about like nine o'clock at night. The morning I woke up, uh, I, I completely forgot about it for the most part. All I remembered were the lovely people next to me who would not stop talking and thought everything was the funniest thing they had ever seen. Like, I I wanted to smack them. I was those guys. Yeah, no. Like I was, I was just laughing at everything that, that like wasn't supposed to be no, funny. No, they were, but they were just like talking like this is. Uh, they wouldn't shut up. Not even the laughing. They just wouldn't shut up. They couldn't even let me. Maybe you should have beat them up. Yeah, that would have gone well. Yeah. That would have gone really well. I think next time, I think next time you have uh, some like annoying theater goers, you should just be like, "Hey, 
I'm Alex Rubino. I'm going to whip out my big dick and just slap you in the face with it. Oh my god, I wish you did not say that. Oh boy. Oh dear god. Uh, so, you know my favorite part of Superfly was when, uh, yeah. first of all, this was directed by a guy named Director X and produced by Future, who is not a filmmaker, but a musician. And not not really a good one. The music in this movie sucked! Uh, it was pretty oh bad. Um, so, uh, this movie, uh, yeah, Director X is a music video director, and it kind of makes sense that this was directed by someone who does rap videos because the like level of objectification of women and misogyny was about on par with with most with your average like Lil Wayne video. Is Lil Wayne even a thing anymore? Who the though? hell knows. When's the last time you heard someone say, like, hey, what's Lil Wayne doing? Uh, very long time. Not, not recently. Either way. Yeah. This movie still feels outdated. And, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so I really liked, uh, there's this one scene where this guy gets arrested for drug possession. And this cop, who's, like, <gasps> supposed to be just this huge over-the-top caricature of racist cops. Yes! Literally sings Ride and Dirty by Chameleon Air for a minute straight without pause as he's searching the car for drugs. And it's like, that was when I was, I was losing my mind because it, it felt like self-parody. Oh my God, yes. That was the moment where I wasn't losing it, but I just that's a moment where I was just laughing nonstop for like a whole minute. That was just hilarious. But yeah, I honestly got forgot about that. That's how irrelevant this movie is. There is one scene I remember. The only reason I remember it is because you texted me F while you were watching it and gave me foreshadowing of it, which we'll get to that in a minute. But oh my, this scene, this scene was just hilarious. And then I forgot it like five minutes later. But it was funny in the moment. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was supposed to be, which is the real the real kicker. All right, I think they were trying to make this a little bit funny, like. I think that scene they were uh, trying to make fun. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Everything else, I don't think they were trying. Yeah. We give them one point, right? They were trying really hard to be cool. And they weren't. Do you want me to introduce that other scene that you really liked, or do you want me to talk about it? Um, I think you would feel more comfortable talking about I it. I would? Yeah. Uh, it's right up your alley. <laughs> Yeah, sure it is. Um, all right, I'll just set this up because, well, this is probably your favorite scene of the movie, at least what you told me. Um, because you saw this before I did, and you informed me of this scene for God knows what reason. But and as much as I remember, at some random moment, one of the guys I'm thinking, this might be Youngblood or whoever the hell, I don't know who the hell's in the damn movie. But um, Youngblood Priest! Oh, shut up. Priest Youngblood. Whatever. Um... He gets into a shower, and then two other women get into a shower, and there's like a, an orgy for about three minutes that just has no relevance, no meaning, is just stupid, and Will loved it more than anything. So, Will, why? Because uh, it just comes out of fucking nowhere, and then they're like, just... It just randomly turns into... I wouldn't even say softcore porn. Like, there's... 
They're just showing everything except dick because this movie is misogynistic and doesn't care about pleasing well, uh, people who love attractive men. Oh, uh, yeah. Actually, I might have to add on to that. Yes, this movie is very mis- misogynistic. I think there actually is a rule with the MPAA that penises and vaginas are not allowed to be shown in R-rated movies. I don't know why. I'm pretty sure that's a rule. Hmm. I th- uh, I can't remember if I've ever seen a penis in an R-rated I, movie. I've, well, I can tell I've never seen that. Literally not not even mm. in Fifty Shades, so that should say something. Well, the last mm. one, the only one. Well, yeah, Fifty Shades is Fifty Shades is like way less uh, gratuitous than this. Yeah. Like this, yeah. This made Fifty Shades look like uh, like uh, uh, My Little Pony. I don't know. Oh. I can't come up with a good oh, comparison. Let's just move on to the next movie. Yeah, please. All right. So now we move on to ones that were at least memorable for some reason or another. All right. This next one yeah. uh, was our biggest score discrepancy by a lot. I gave this a five and a half. We'll give it a three point two. We can do an average yeah. of four point four. It was the critically acclaimed for not actually, but uh, made a lot of money. It was Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Well, what was this? When the island's dormant volcano begins roaring to life, white guy, played by Chris Pratt, and girl that <laughs> likes him, Bryce Dallas Howard, mount a campaign to rescue the remaining dinosaurs from this extinction-level event. Uh, so this was just, like, uh, pretty bad. Um, white people have names, Okay. Chris Pratt does not play any white guy. He plays a white guy named Owen. Oh. And that's no, he about plays Chris all that's relevant. Pratt. He plays Chris Pratt, but who can be friends with the dinosaurs. Uh, so I'm... Um, what does this movie even want to be? Like, it's not... There's not that much action... Uh, there's some, I think there's supposed to be some humor because there's this nerdy kid who the whole point of his character is like, ah, I scream like a girl. I don't like the outdoors. Uh, I'm young Sheldon. Uh, <laughs> insert laugh track. I, uh, uh, I did like I think the it would have been. Uh, I thought the actor did fine with his role. Uh, I, didn't, I don't think anyone did a bad job in this other than the writers. Uh, all right. Yeah. Why, why do you not hate this? Okay. Let me get one thing. First of all, the writers, they know what people want. They, people want Chris Pratt and a hot woman played by Bryce Dallas Howard that probably nobody knows about and dinosaurs. And they just, they just want to see dinosaurs wreaking havoc. So writing for them was probably no effort of just boom. Here, dinosaurs take over. Chris Pratt and other other women try to save day. That's it. Like, there is no writing at this point. There is none. And yes, I will completely agree that the writing is awful. Here's what I did like about it. Or not didn't like, but didn't hate as much as you did. We'll go with that. Um, it was, I mean, 
the dinosaur CGI was actually kind of cool. I don't know. I, I always am amazed like how they do such a good job with it. Also, the final action scene I did have fun with. It took about over two hours to get there, but once we finally got there, I was happy. And yeah, I, I didn't see the end credit scene, but it at least had relevance to the next movie, evidently. So yeah, there you go. Well, that's what was not terrible about uh, there's it. There's an end credit scene. Apparently, I found that out afterwards. I definitely know. Oh well, it probably doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't just change my score. Three. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, why was Jeff Goldblum in this? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So he was, Where just, was uh, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, he was in the courtroom for about. 30 seconds. You know what I found so weird? Right, well, thank you for reminding me of him because I legit forgot he was in this thing. Um, there, there is one scene in the trailer. Oh, I'm gonna, it, minor spoiler, but whatever. Probably doesn't make a difference. When he says, welcome to Jurassic World in the trailer, that doesn't happen till the very end of the movie. Yeah. What movie puts like the last scene or one of the last scenes in the trailer? I did not get that at all. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 does. Oh, my God. They, the ending shot of the, the trailer for that movie was the, the ending shot of the movie. Oh, my God. So, and you know, everyone loved that one. Oh, they yeah. made many sequels That's with right. Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. You can see the love oozing out of my voice. You, you, you can feel it. I can feel it. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. All right. Uh, what else did I hate about this? Uh, there's this little girl uh, who... Uh, oh, yeah. You, oh. Had, you had to pick on children. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, children were terrible this month, except for one movie, which we'll get to later. Uh, foreshadowing. It's pretty obvious. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually going to go back. So when they're getting off the island, there's just so much dumb shit in this movie. Like They happen to call Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt to come to this island but they don't even like. Why did they call them there? Because they're these just stock military bad guys who are like, "Oh, I just want to kill everything because I'm a military guy and I want a collected necklace of dinosaur teeth." Ho ho ho! Be is being evil fun. Uh, and they call them there on the last day because they need to get blue, the Velociraptor, and they can't just uh, shoot her with a little dart thing or like leave out a trap for her. Because she is smart. Uh, but then they get Chris Pratt to go tame her, and they just shoot her anyways. Like, they didn't even need Chris Pratt. And then the this is, like, the day that they called them out there, the volcano erupts. Uh, so they must have waited a really long time to get this crucial part of their plan together. Uh, it didn't make much sense. And then they're getting off the island, and they drive a boat. Uh, no, they drive this truck onto a boat, uh, in a cargo loading place full of people and no one sees them get on the boat somehow. They just sneak on and yeah, it's pretty dumb. Can I add one? There's also this little, yeah, sure. What's up? All right. This movie is really, really convenient. Like, yeah. 
I mean, of course, so many movies like have like convenient moments right them interesting. This was everything happened at exactly like the right time to make the dinosaurs go boom and Owen and what's her what's her face? I've really forgotten her name. Uh Claire Glenn Howard's daughter. Claire. <laughs> she has a name, it's Claire. When Owen and Claire have to go rescue the dinosaurs. And this is all because they are the good people in, I guess, politics of that world who want to save the dinosaurs, where all the mean bad guys want to kill them. So, it was, I had fun with the action. When we saw the dinosaurs, which wasn't enough, it, they were fine. Like, when the dinosaurs were wreaking havoc, alright, this is cool. When there were just people and Chris Pratt's being Chris Pratt to nobody, it was boring. And... One last thing. This movie was way too long. Yeah. It was like two and a half hours too long. Yep. There you go. I, I won't uh, go that far, but yeah, it was long. Yeah. Well, I mean, the dinosaur stuff, I guess I can say that it's cool, but there was just barely any of it. Uh, oh, you know what was really dumb? Oh, uh, so there's this uh, super raptor, the Indoraptor, oh. named by a child that... Uh, the point of it is that you can point a laser gun at a person's forehead and then the dinosaur will see it and you make this special noise and the dinosaur will go attack that person. That thing. So you have to point a gun at a person you want to kill and then make a noise for the dinosaur to attack the person. Maybe you could just point a gun at someone you want to kill and shoot them. Huh? Maybe? Maybe that's a better idea? No, the people at Jurassic World, they thought this through. They thought the best plan was to have a laser because kids like lasers and lasers look cool. And they want to pretend that dinosaurs have brains and that the dinosaur can use its brain to go kill the person that the laser is on once funny sound is made. Can I also add something into that? Because you just reminded me of a big important thing because I I completely forgot the auction even happened. There's a whole, not spoiling it, there's an auction with like the dinosaurs and it's like a, a large part of it is completely irrelevant. Yeah, it's like okay. But it's people, pretty funny to watch. I, I honestly, I was having fun with it. I, the beginning part of it, where the, they're just like, "Here is dinosaur number one. Oh, I, I'll pay a lot of money for that guy. I'll pay more money. That wasn't fun. When the stuff happened, then it got fun, which I won't say. What's oh, happened. I liked the part where all the rich people were just like, "I'll pay twelve million dollars for the brachiosaurus. Like, what, what the fuck are you gonna do with? What the fuck are you gonna do with that?" Like, where are you going to put this giant dinosaur? Do you just bring a dinosaur truck? Will, I, I, I gave up trying to place logic and sense into this movie after, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, and it's you shouldn't sh- have. You're the one who was trying to put sense into it during the auction, so. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I'm trying to rate things. Uh, okay. I, I mean, and I'm not gonna give it a pass. Okay, I honestly, I just thought this movie was fine. Like it was like, meh. Dinosaurs were cool when they were there. 
It was a dumb action movie, almost the definition of a summer blockbuster, but not as good. And, eh, it's all right. It was, could have been worse, I thought, but you evidently didn't think so. So, yeah. yeah, I just don't see, like, I feel like we've raised many negatives, and the positives is like, eh, there was some cool dinosaur stuff in it. So, you know, all right. uh, decent. Okay, here's the thing. I think I didn't, part of me, I didn't have as mu- much of a problem with the negatives as you did, and I also looked more at the bright spots when I could. Because I, I almost, I went in taking it at face value of just, it's a dumb movie. It's a dumb movie where dinosaurs kill people, and the people try to kill the dinosaurs, and we move on. I was trying to have yeah. a fu- fun on a Saturday afternoon, because, yeah, I tried. It was fine. I'm like, yeah, could have been much worse, I thought, but yeah. You want to move on? Yeah, let's go. Or do you have any more ranting of how terrible this was, or you thought it was? Um, yeah, so I'm just assuming everyone's already seen it that wants to. So the ending was really dumb. This girl, it turns out she's a clone, and they're like, hmm. Should we release these dangerous dinosaurs into the world, into the wild, where they can go and harm innocent people? Or should we just let them die? And then little girls like pushes the button to release them and she's like, if they deserve if they don't deserve to live, then neither do I, because she's like a clone and shit. And it's like, yeah, good job, you little fucking idiot. You just cost millions of people their lives because a fucking T-Rex is unleashed into the streets of New York. Jurassic World 3, here we come, because that's actually going to happen. That's the plot of the next movie. Quite literally. By the way. This is where I didn't like this movie. I I legit forgot about that. I know I saw the movie about two weeks ago, but I Maybe three, actually. I don't want to do math. I, I legit yeah. forgot that happened until you rem- reminded me of it. See, I think the thing is they just wanted to make Jurassic World 3, like where the dinosaurs are everywhere, but they just really couldn't figure out like how to get to that point. We're like, already at Jurassic they- World. Where are you going to... Okay, next movie. Uh, dinosaur goes to Mars. Yeah. And Chris Pratt has to jump from Mars to Mercury to get blue. I'd watch it. Oh, well. So, yeah, it was okay. Uh, pretty average movie. Next well, one. You did not think this was average. You, no, I thought this was average. You did not. Let's not. Let's yeah, not. that was a Don't joke. Don't yourself. Don't kid yourself. Um, all right, at number yeah. five on our list, and this is where we start getting into the really average category, uh, it was a movie that we pretty much nearly agreed on. I gave it a five. We'll give it a 5.2. Met in the middle, 5.1 was our average. It was the counter programming to Incredibles 2. It was the comedy that is called Tag, about people playing tag. A small group of former classmates organize an elaborate annual game of tag that requires some to travel all over the country. It stars Ed Helms, Jake Johnson, John yes, Hamm, Jeremy Renner, and Lil Rel Howery? No, you it doesn't. Oh, yeah, it does. Okay. I, he was in it, but I assumed you would have put like Hannibal Burris because <laughs> he was in the movie for much longer. <laughs> I was like, why did you 
I thought you were like listing the main group of five guys. And then I got to the last one and I was like, he wasn't like, he's not Hannibal Burris. Why do you put that name? But yeah, he was in it. I mean, I don't know. He was good. <laughs> nice. All right. So that this was what a, when you make me do your job. So, yeah. So this was like a perfectly okay movie. It was sort of funny at times. Yeah. And it was the action. There was some like slow-mo action that was like decently well done. And uh, there was there was a scene with the guy from Silicon Valley, Richard Hendricks. And it was pretty homophobic because the whole joke was just that he was like gay. Uh, and that wasn't really that cool. Other than that, nothing really offensive. And... I don't remember much about it. That's all. That's literally all I have to say. All right. Um, this movie went very up and down for me. It would have mm-hmm. five to ten moments of you just laughing, not nonstop, but at a lot of stuff. And then you go into a tailspin of boring, like, setup or whatever that really, in a way, most of it just meant nothing. Then you go another ten minutes of laughter and then, like, ten minutes of boring and... This movie was an hour and 41 minutes, I believe, and it was way too long. Yeah, there was a lot of filler. Okay, I wrote in my notes literally too damn long. Um, I will say this. What... I saw this with my dad on Father's Day. It was a nice film to see on Father's Day. Like, oh. It's funny. You don't have to think about it much. And um, Also, my dad, Jeremy Renner was great in this. Yeah. I had so much fun watching him, even though he apparently now broke his arm. But good for him. Yeah, that's how much fun he was having. Yeah. And Ed Helms was Ed Helms. And Lil Rel Howery was Lil Rel Howery. He was in the movie for two minutes. That's why I said that. He was there. And then he, who was it? Like, who did he even, like, play again? Like, what used to do? So Ed Helms was applying to be a a janitor. Not Ed Helms. Ed Helms was applying to be a a jam a janitor and Lil Rel was the guy that was doing the job interview. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't I just put him in there because I remember I don't know why I remembered him, but I didn't remember. <laughs> you remember what he did. <laughs> just remember that he was in the movie and that he was good. Yes, I did. I swear to God I remembered him. <laughs> but then I saw another movie in this list. Oh, I'm just I saw Uncle Drew like two weeks later. I'm like, oh, he was in tag. Good for him. <laughs> Did you see Get Out? No, I saw Uncle Drew. You've never seen Get Out? No, I did see Get Out, but I was talking oh, okay. about Uncle Drew. Okay, I I, Get I was, Out. Okay, I thought you did because I thought we talked about it. And I, why would you see Lil Rel Howery and not be like, "Oh, that's the guy from Get Out"? Because <laughs> he was like way more in that. I don't know. She's <laughs> <laughs> like. Oh yeah, that's my that's that guy from my favorite movie, playing my tag. favorite role as job interviewer. Tag. I I did love the part where um, Ed Helms is trying to be a janitor during the interview and throws away what was it his coke? <laughs> oh yeah, and he's like, "You owe me a new coke." Yeah, I mean I there were some decent jokes. Oh, uh, who pl- who played Renner's wife? Because she uh, was nuts. She was a typical, absolutely nuts wife. And 
Was okay. it Ed Helms' wife who was also nuts in a different way? Um. Oh yeah, Ed Helms' wife was Isla Fisher. Okay. Uh, she was Mary Jane in the live-action Scooby-Doo movies and Rebel Wilson on Arrested Development. Oh wow! I don't care. <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't else? know who the other wife was. Uh, nah, who cares? Yeah, um, really, she was in the movie. But um, what was I going to say? This was fun. A lot more fun than I honestly expected because I expected this to be absolutely garbage. Wow. Just complete and utter garbage, and it wasn't. So, I left kind of impressed. I expected it to be pretty okay, and it was. Okay. It was that. It was a little better than okay, I would say. But, um. You gave it a five. Yeah. It was. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, it was meh. Literally, was like, all right, this is okay. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> know why started. I disagreed with you there, but like, I don't. I think it was better than okay. And then you're like, eh, this is okay. I don't know why, I, but I thought you were saying like worse than okay or something, or like I don't know what you said that made me think that, but I'm like, meh. All right, let's just go to the next movie. <laughs> I don't know. What are we up? Yeah, but also, the real people playing tag, because this was based on a true story, there were ten people. This movie had five? Yeah. You know, it would have been really cool. Why can't you get ten people? If there are ten people playing tag in real life, make there be ten people in this movie. Or if there are ten people playing tag in real life, make a documentary about the real people? <laughs> no, I don't want a documentary. No. Yeah. No. This movie was meant to be a comedy. If it was anything else, it would have sucked even more. I would have been interested to see a group of uh, middle-aged men playing tag. They're not middle-aged. They are not middle-aged. No, the guys in real life. They're not middle-aged anymore. Are they dead? No, but they're old. So they're dead. And you just, the whole, No, the whole movie would just be... Yeah, I, uh, oh my god, that was a fun night when we played tag. Oh, we couldn't get him, <laughs> but then we got him, and I won and drank a lot of beer. <laughs> it's funny because old people are slow and can't move very fast. Yeah, and then the old guy would probably like throw his cane in the air and just like, yeah, I'll get that whippersnapper tomorrow. Yeah, and then he has a hernia. Oh, there were, and he's like, oh, okay, there was got to put my hemorrhoid cream on because I'm old. <laughs> okay, there was one scene with uh, minor spoiler with Ed Helms, I think, where he was dressed as an old lady in a mall, and that was just hilarious. Yeah, it was funny because he's not an old lady, but he was dressing like one. Yes. Um, shall we move on? Yeah, let's go. All right, middle of the pack. Um, this is a movie that we'll, uh, we'll give 5.3. I give it 4.6. Led to hmm. a average score of a 5.0. That's 5.2. So, we did this in the wrong What? Uh, we did this in the wrong order. Um, but <laughs> I think you changed your score. <gasps> no, I always had a 4.6, buddy. 
I, I blame Will for this because he apparently messed up as he couldn't copy a number over. But it definitely said four point nine at one point. You read my you read my score for the next movie, but I, I swear, yes, it did. Moving uh, either way, this movie was just as forgettable and meh and very violent. It was Sicario: Day of the Soldado, which. We had an average of, doing the math quickly in my head, 5.0? Yeah, 5.0. 5. 5. So, 4.95. Shut up. So this movie is about the drug war on the U.S.-Mexico border has escalated as the cartels have began trafficking terrorists across the U.S. border. To fight the war, federal agent Thanos reteams with the mercurial, uh, the collector. Guy from Star Wars. The Collector. Yes, I know. I didn't think you were going to say that. Uh, So, you know, my favorite part of the original Sicario was was, uh, Emily Blunt and Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. And Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Hardly knew ya. Uh, And uh, Denny Villeneuve. Uh, Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Uh, Denny, Denny Villeneuve. Say his name right. He is perfect. Not really, but he made a rival, so I like him. He also made uh, Tusk. Blade Runner. Oh. And Blade Runner 24. And Enemy. But, yeah. All right. Well, on Sicario, because we don't know how to go in order, apparently. I don't know how you really didn't catch that. I was saying something. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I stopped talking because I forgot what I was saying. So uh, this yeah, movie has neither of those three things that made the first one good. Uh, so Josh Brolin's character is really just uh, this guy who thinks that violence is the answer to everything. And that's how he is in the first movie. And he never really changes. But, you know, you're not supposed to, like, sympathize with him. But in this, you know, he's sort of like one of the main two guys and you're supposed to like root for him, but he's like, he has a pretty terrible worldview that I feel like is, uh, I feel like is pretty clearly wrong. And he's, uh, that might just be my opinion, but I feel like it's pretty clear cut and you never, he never really like changes or has any character growth. Uh, Regardless, he's tough to root for. Yeah. For sure. Um, I'll be straight. I hated the beginning of this. The first 10, 20 minutes, I was like, I absolutely I don't remember it. what and then it got, that was. It was a lot of just like sort of propaganda spreading that um, we have to basically kill every everyone who's bringing drugs over. And it's like. This is on the news every day. I don't want to hear it. Uh, Let's move on. Like, give me a movie. No, not the news. <laughs> yeah, this movie did something I really but, um, hate. It got better. Which, uh, I really hate when movies just rely on giving exposition through, like, f- news footage. And that's the only way that this movie gives any information. There we, thank God. It's, like, the laziest way yes. to... It's just, like, have someone it, with a microphone so explaining lazy. what's happening in the world. It's literally, put somebody down, have them sit at a table, put a green screen behind them. That's it. 
uh, uh, I, yeah, I did not like that at all either. And in case you didn't know, there was a lot of violence. Yeah. A whole lot of violence. A lot of... But, yeah, there just was a lot of violence. I don't have anything more to say about <laughs> it. Was it was there. Yeah. That's, I'm that's just... the extent of your commentary. <laughs> a lot of people died. There we go. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I did really like about this movie is uh, this, this like, 12-year-old girl who plays uh, the daughter of this uh, drug cartel leader that they're trying to take out. She was... I didn't even uh, like her that much. I thought this was, like, the best performance I've seen from a child actor, like, all year. I thought she... Yeah, Ooh. all year. Yeah. Really? I mean, it's it's a low bar, but uh, I thought she just cool. seemed really convincing. Um, you feel for her as she's going through these traumatic experiences, and she has this really nice uh, father-daughter relationship with Benicio Del Toro, who is trying, I think... Like Benicio, uh, <laughs> I can say that he's trying. I think he gives a good performance with what he's given. And I think his character uh, is more interesting than I would have expected based on the first movie. Um, but, you know, it doesn't end up going to an interesting place. So I can't really give it that much credit. All right. Let me explain why I didn't like. Uh, the girl as much and pro- I don't think this is her doing a bad mm-hmm. job per se I feel like I don't know the writing around her was just so typical and like mundane it's like the girl's being trapped she's scared not much more like it. I feel like she was doing what she could yes and I'm not going to say she did like a terrible job but I don't know. Maybe I didn't like the whole premise of the girl. I don't know. I didn't like much about this at all. But um, which is why it was one of my. It was yes, the second worst movie of this group for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really gonna defend it that much. So I don't think I don't have it much higher yeah, than you. But okay, um, this is really forgettable for me, and I saw this like yeah. two days ago. Do you want to talk about the ending? Because it was really That's funny. Really. Uh, you go so ahead at the that. end, uh, there's this kid that's sort of like a hitman. Well, also the the hitman kid shoots Benicio del Toro in the head, and then it turns out he's still alive. And then he just like gets up and walks back to society somehow. And then it just, the collector will never, never die. die. Oh, sorry, I love that movie. <laughs> Have you seen the collector? I did love the movie. Have you seen the collector? I'm sorry. It's un- unrelated to no. Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a much worse movie. It's uh, that's just like really. That's actually yeah. A it's a like pretty huge ripoff of Saw, where this guy just traps people in their house and like sets a bunch of traps. I wouldn't recommend it, uh, unless you're into that type of thing. Uh, yep. Uh, I just looked at the poster. Yeah, it looks like that. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, uh, he it just cuts to a year later. And this uh, guy that was becoming a hitman, by the way, uh, Sicario means hitman in Spanish, I think. Was it Spanish? I'm, I'm sorry? Uh, yeah, it's Spanish. Uh, so they cut to a year later, yes. and the he's little smiling. kid is coming at this mall, and he's going to where he normally meets his boss dude. But uh, Benicio Del Toro is there, and he's like, 
Hey, kid. So you want to be a Sicario, huh? Well, you've got a lot to learn. Roll credits. That was the end of the movie. I, I do not want to see a Sicario 3. I really don't want to see a Sicario 3 because I don't want to watch another one of these. I don't think they'll make one. I really don't. Uh, you never know. I don't think this did you that one. You never know. They're, they made another Hotel Transylvania that we're going to have to watch. Who the hell? Uh, That's because they make money. Anymore. Yes. Eh, all right, fine. But still, like, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, can we please move on? Because I'm sick yeah, of this. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so, just to clarify something. Sicario was our number five. Tag was number four. God, wow. Tag being our number four movie of the month is kind of sad. All right. Uh, last of our middle-of-the-pack movies is a movie that I give a 4.9. We'll give it a 5.7. And this made him cry. I don't know how the hell it made him cry, but it did. Yeah. Um, it had an average of 5.3. So, much, much better than Tag. Um, it was the basketball movie called Uncle Drew. After draining his life savings to enter a team in the Rucker Classic Streetball Tournament in Harlem, Dax, played by Lil Rel Howry of Tag, is dealt a series of unfortunate setbacks, including losing his team to longtime rival Nick Kroll, also the voice of the douche in Sausage Party. Desperate to win the tournament and the cash prize, Dax stumbles upon the man, the myth, the legend, Uncle Drew, played by NBA All-Star Kyrie Irving, <laughs> and convinces him to return to the court one more time. The two men embark on a road trip to round up Drew's old basketball squad, played by Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Chris Weber, uh, Reggie Miller, Nate Robinson, and Lisa Leslie of The Celebrity Apprentice, and prove that a group of septuagenarians can still win the big one. And Tiffany Haddish is in this as well. One thing I know you don't watch basketball because, yeah, uh, yeah, Shaq is in this, but okay. Yeah, I pronounced his name right. Yeah, sure so you did. I, it's totally Shaquille. Shaquille. Not Shaquille or anything like that. Um, yeah, what do you I, think I had is? a lot of fun with it. You know, I don't watch any basketball, which I don't know if that helped or hurt my viewing experience. Um, but I thought... Uh, the makeup was top notch. They really look like old people and, uh, better makeup than Suicide Squad, which won the Oscar for best makeup and hairstyling. So got that going for it. Mm. Mm, that's good. Uh, I mean, just look at the Joker's face in Suicide Squad and tell me that that movie had good makeup. Uh, it was. I thought it was decent, but all right. So I thought um, the performances were all fine to pretty good. Uh, Little Rel Howry is always just enjoyable to watch on screen. So I liked having a movie that was full of Little Rel Howry. But there were also a lot of uh, scenes that didn't need to be there. Like there was a whole dance scene, like a dance battle sequence. That was that was pretty unnecessary, yeah. and um, All right. um, you know the basketball scenes were cool. 
uh, the basketball players cannot act super well, but they're also not bad. And, um, you know, I had a good time. It was really uh, cheesy and sentimental, but for me, it worked. And you. All right. Um, what, this way, I do watch basketball, not a lot, but from time to time. So it's cool. We might have a different perspective on this. Um, I normally do like sports movies. I like this. I didn't love it. Um, it was like it was a step below tag for me where it was really, really predictable. And when I obviously when you have a movie where you know what the ending is, you have to basically add drama to that um, journey to where you feel like it might be in doubt or something to make, put these characters on edge. This really did not feel like these characters were put on edge enough. Like, there was no... Right, yes, like, the final game. Yeah, obviously, spoiler alert, they win the damn tournament because that's totally shocking. Um, I, could, I could have predicted it from a mile away, and I was sad just how right I was because I wanted a little bit of a surprise there. Really wasn't any, but um, well, I gotta say, Lisa Lisa Leslie was in this for about five minutes. I loved it. So yeah, funny. she was. I had so much fun watching Lisa Leslie. The rest of them were meh, but she yeah. was fun. Kyrie Irving's old person voice is pretty bad. I will say that. Yeah, it's not good. It is not good. Oh, one thing I did notice from being a basketball fan that you might not have picked up on. The numbers they were all wearing were the no- are the numbers they wore oh, wow. as players in the NBA. What a nice touch! So that's why Kyrie, uh, that's why Uncle Drew was number two. And I thought it was because he was the shit. Of course you did. Um, yeah, I have one question for you. What uh, made you cry? Because I'd love to know. Uh, you know, Lil Rel was always sad about missing the big shot at his game, and then. After that, after he wins the game, a Kyrie Irving goes up to him and he's like, "You know, you know, Uncle uh, Lil Rel Howry, you, you did it, kid, and I'm I'm proud of you." Uh, and that that made me cry. Yeah, that I was like, "Oh cry? my god!" Oh my, oh my god! You're a you're a wuss. <laughs> no did you cry at Infinity War? No. Uh, oh, nope, I did. Nope, I actually did not. I don't like cry. At, honestly, God, I don't cry at movies. Like, I I can feel full emotions, but see, I, don't I cry at a movie. I rarely do, but, which like, is why it was pretty weird that I cried at this. I was when you said that to me, no. I legit thought you were joking. And then when you said you were serious, I literally, I was getting worried. But um, <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Um. Until so, a lot of this movie is Dax trying to like assemble his team, and honestly, God, until he got this full team together, I was not bored, but borderline there for a lot of it. There is mm-hmm. just way too much setup. I would, I would compare it to Ocean's Eight, where there was a lot of setup into getting that team together. Um, I. I disagree in, uh, in that. What? And, and uh, that they're, I get they're similar in having like, I didn't think the setup in Ocean's 8 was that boring, but 
I, and I thought them getting almost every character in this was pretty boring, except the part where they try to get, uh, where they meet Betty Lou for the first time, who is played by Lisa Leslie, and we meet her husband, who's a bastard. That was fun. Everything else, getting the other guys were just, was a snooze fest. Seeing Shaq be a karate master, boring. Seeing, what's the other guy's face? I don't remember him. Um, the guy in the wheelchair, that was boring. I don't know. Ocean's Eight, like, I don't know. I enjoyed the development of that more, and this was like. I thought it was I, I pretty funny how they came up with this that. whole elaborate escape plan to get uh, the guy in the wheelchair, like, to escape the retirement home, and then he just shows up at the truck. I love that. I love how Dax is the coach, is like drawing yeah. up a whole play and yeah. everything, and like, hey, here I am. That was great. But um, yeah. Oh, Tiffany Haddish is in. Yeah, the she plays there. herself. Tiffany Ash needs to be this. You know my hot yeah, take. Yeah. My hot take is that in three years, people will feel the same way about Tiffany Haddish as they feel about Amy Schumer now, because people will get tired of her just playing herself in everything. Or um, maybe not Amy Schumer, but let's let's go with. Kevin Hart, who also just plays himself in everything. Um, oh, but so if Tiffany Haddish goes on the same track of like being like the supporting wife in the movies, like in these movies, I'm going to lose lose it lose it with her quickly. But I know she's going to be in night school. Like when she's like the star of a movie, and like gets to have like a little like her character fleshed out a little bit, and you see something of her, she's hilarious. When she's there for five minutes and just being herself. Uh, Did you just say that dull. she played the character of supporting also, wife in this movie? In a way. I mean, what else? That's supporting. No, a supporting character who was a wife. Like, that's what I meant to say. Because she was not a supporting wife at all. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, like, I don't think they were even married. Though, right? no. Shut up. I don't care. <laughs> they weren't married, but doesn't make a difference. Supporting... Not supporting... Unsupportive, girlfriend. supporting non-wife cast member. That's her archetype. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, this, was, this was fun at moments. I liked it. Let's move on to the next movie. But I don't know. I know you did. All right, and here's where we get into the good stuff for the movie. Next one is one I'm very excited to talk about. Um, my favorite movie of the month. Of no second favorite movie of the month favorite movie of this half of the month was a movie that we'll give a six and a half to I gave it an eight point oh leading to a seven point three average it is the actually critically acclaimed Incredibles two which took fourteen years to make um, uh, so we'll describe it this movie. <laughs> Craig T. Nelson stars as Bob Parr, a.k.a. Mr. Incredible, who is left to care for the kids while Holly Hunter from The Big Sick plays Elastigirl, who is out saving the world, and Samuel L. Jackson from Deep Blue Sea plays their friend Frozone. All right. So you know um, Pixar, Pixar really likes them sequels, start. huh? Yes, they do. I mean, I think everyone likes the sequels because looking at just about everything we have in July real quick we have 
sequel to The Purge, sequel to Ant-Man, sequel to Hotel Transylvania, two new movies, sequel to Mamma Mia, sequel to Equalizer, sequel to Unfriended, sequel to Mission Impossible, sequel to Teen Titans. Every, just about everything is a sequel except two movies this month. And sorry to bother yeah, well, you. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, that's why I said two. Skyscraper and sorry to bother yeah. you. The and two I mean, Skyscraper is really a spiritual sequel to, uh, to San Andreas. Sure. Uh, it, it's, yeah. Um, but back to Incredibles 2. My first thing. Oh, well, actually, let's talk about the short beforehand before oh, yeah. we forget about it, or I forget about it mainly. The short in this is so adorable. It is called Bao, not spoiling any, but just simply put, it's really adorable, really sweet, and also really emotional and sad at moments. I'd give the short like a nine. And I had people... Yeah. All right, I won't go nine, but it was really sweet. Like I gave the, the movie an eight, I might go the short like eight and a half. And I want to watch this again because... When I went, this woman was, like, shouting during the, inc- the entire short saying, like, For she what? can't see or something. <laughs> and a lot of people just oh saying, God. shush and shut up. And I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, if you wanted it, like, if somebody couldn't see, get to the theater earlier and get a better seat. I don't know what to tell you. Like, Poor people, up. am I right? Not even old people, just people. Yeah, so but uh, we know well, we'll talk about old people. What you loved about this movie, Alex? All right. Um, first thing, I well, I'm a I was a big fan of the first one, and I just I love I love Pixar in general. So maybe this gives me bias, but too too bad. Um, this movie was just a lot of fun. It brought back a lot of nostalgia for me, and I know Will, you're much better at separating nostalgia from the movie than I am, but I will fully own it that the nostalgia helped. But this was just, I, I don't know. I had a lot of fun with this. It didn't really let me down. I, know this, I knew this wasn't going to be as good as the first because that never, just about never happens. But I just had a lot of fun with this. This is like, I love when sequels at least own they're not going to have a, as good a plot as the first one, but they lean into more humor. And I think the humor here worked. It had me laughing a lot. I will say that um, Jack-Jack really stole the show for me. It was just amazing. And, well, I'll get to the other part later. But also, they really, somebody at Pixar should have really thought maybe, there, maybe the scene of all like, the flashing lights and colors, we should give like a warning to people with epilepsy. That boggled my mind how nobody gave a warning about that until it took some theaters their own oh yeah i totally forgot about that i i mean i had to look i'm not yeah a normal person can look away and be fine but that was just like it was baffles my mind when giant studios and corporations don't and nobody like nobody picks up on that oh maybe we should have a warning here maybe we maybe we left something out like i don't get this but this was a fun movie regardless, and I just had a absolute blast watching it. It was funny. It was cute. The Incredibles were back, and I was just happy. Simple as that. And, Will, I know you hated this. So <laughs> yeah, I hated it so much I gave it a 6.5. Uh, so Compared to me, you hated it. So That's a really uh, reductive way to look at things, but sure. Yes, it is. Uh, so That's what we are here. We're productive. Uh, reductive. Shut up reductive so 
you know, I like this way more than the previous Pixar cash grab, uh, Finding Dory, uh, which I thought was just like a total carbon copy of the original with no new ideas to add and was just shamelessly created to make money and wasn't funny and had no uh, character growth. And uh, yeah, so this is better than that. No one cares about that. Uh, I think everyone cares. Hot takes. Sure. Um, And they're all wrong. (laughs) So I think I didn't really care for anything involving Jack Jack in this movie. Um, I think it was basically uh, like, hey, we just put a baby doing baby stuff and make fire shoot out of him and everyone will eat it up just like Alex did. I fully own it. I ate it up. And just because, like, I don't know, it's just it, the way they had him interacting with others was just hilarious. And the way he is with Mr. Incredible and Mr. Incredible trying to parent him is just hilarious. And Mr. Incredible's only way to parent him is to give him cookies. <laughs> He's so desperate he has to give him cookies. But, um, yeah, the, I don't know. I just was laughing from head to toe. And uh, you okay if I go into little spoilers here? Or are you okay? Um, or should we wait to the end? I, I want to talk about some more stuff with it. That's okay. Okay. Um, I thought it... Yeah, go uh, ahead. I didn't really like how the whole... Um, first of all, I I think that this shouldn't have been... Like, this takes place immediately following the events of the first one. But all the voice actors are clearly much older and they just feel like entirely different characters. You know, Mr. Incredible, uh, he's actively, when Elastigirl is out being a superhero by herself, he's sort of rooting for her to fail, which I think is just maybe something the, that he would have done in the first movie. But in this one, it just feels like uh, all the character growth he went through in the first one has been totally ignored just because uh, they feel like making him have to go through that same character growth again. Uh, and, you know, her doing well is really in his best interest because he wants superheroes to become legal again. I also didn't love, uh, well, I really disliked everything involving the villain. Uh, it was very uh, forecasted, uh, very predictable that this character would be the villain. Um, uh Everything involving Violet and Tony was really forced. Uh, Violet's arc in the first movie was becoming confident with herself and uh, getting to ask out Tony. So in this movie, they just erased Tony's memory. So she has to have that exact same arc again. Uh, Dash is just kind of there in this movie. Uh, He doesn't really do much. And that's, that's pretty much the extent of my major issues with the movie without going into All right. Can I counter? Yeah. I agree with almost everything you said. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, uh, the Mr. Incredible thing. I will, I completely agree with you. I actually, let me backtrack the first thing of it being set right after. I didn't mind that at mu- as much, but I did not like it. I think sure. You don't have to go 14 years after, but I'd say go, at least like three or four. Yeah. 
but I see why they did it. I see why they had it set right up. You know why they did it? Because they wanted to have baby Jack-Jack, because people love babies. I, I, okay, I, I loved it, but, um, I will fully own that, but, um, um, let me say something. Also, uh, the Mr. Incredible thing, yeah, I agree with you, but I get what they're trying to do, setting him up as, like, the egotistical guy, but, yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like the, how they set him up as an egotistical guy who can't deal with his wife having any success. I, I be honest, I straight up didn't. But um, one, yeah, and Violet, the Violet Tony thing was, I didn't mind that as much. But and Dash was okay. But yeah, I didn't have as much of a problem with it. I just had a lot of fun with it. Like, it brought me back in a way. Yeah. To when I was a kid seeing this, and I'm like, you know what? This is, and I really like superhero movies in general. So I mean, there's a reason I meet much more of a bigger Marvel fan than you are. I'm not saying you're not, but, like, so maybe that's where I get this from. Like, I like, I'd say, superhero and animation more than you. Not Am I wrong about that? Um, yeah, I think you're right. I just asked you if I was wrong, but okay. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, like, that's my more my wheelhouse while you're in the horror realm, I'd say. Um, so... Also, I loved um, who played Edna Ma, Edna Mode, excuse me. Brad Bird, the director of the movie. It was a, he, oh yeah, I knew it was a guy. Uh, I I don't know. I really like the scene with her. I don't know why, but um, all right. Can I get into minor spoilers yeah, real sure. quick? Um, I actually found a line, actually two lines from eh, whatever. The only one I care. There's one I care about. Um, where Mister Incredible says after. Jack Jack like goes on a little bit of a rage in Edna's room. He be- he basically says Con- combustion imminent. What does that mean? And then Jack Jack explodes and he's like, and she's like, it means fire, Robert. I don't know why I like that. Yeah, that's not really that funny. Just the way. Oh, shut up! I I didn't love it, but I liked it. <laughs> but what I did, I uh, it was okay. I had a little laugh, chuckle there. What I really enjoyed was the whole scene. Well, if you haven't seen, sorry, spoiler, where Jack Jack fights that raccoon. Yeah. It was so stupid and so funny. I, I just had a blast with that. I, yeah, you can make fun of me all you want, but that was just hilarious. Yeah, it was like an episode of Looney Tunes. You know what? I'll put it away. If they had that a lot more in the movie, I would have had a problem with it, but having it once, I had no problem whatsoever with it. Yeah, them. I mean, I don't think it went on for too long. That was probably like the best Jack-Jack stuff with the raccoon. Oh, I'll absolutely get, agree with that. But it was great. Um, like, I just... This made me like Jack-Jack a lot more. But it also... Maybe not... Di- yeah, I didn't like Violet as much after this. At all. Yeah. Um, and I... Part of me kind of wishes they made this more... Even a little bit more about Elastigirl. Or at least say maybe a little less about Mr. Incredible. I don't know. But... When he was in it, it was fine, but it felt a little more like, almost, you know how he's feeling like egotistical, like, why aren't I going to save the world in a way? Mm-hmm. It felt like the way they wrote it was like, yeah, we're making a movie more about Elastigirl, but Mr. Incredible still has to be a big, big part in it. And I wish he was there just a little bit less, you yeah. know what I mean? So we like, uh, all right, well, I'm done nitpicking this was great i had a lot of fun yeah, with this. i liked it i know you didn't but i thought it was okay i, I thought it was it. decent to good but 
I thought it was great. Yes, and, you've just yeah. said that five times, and I'm trying to talk. So have you. What? So have you. Said what? <laughs> that it's not great. I just said that I liked it. I'm trying to express that I don't think it's a terrible movie like you're trying to paint it. I, I, I'm joking with that, okay? Like, I know you don't hate it, but compared to me, you hate it. So that's what matters. Not really. <laughs> Anyways, okay. uh, got- since we're talking about spoiler stuff, uh, I did think like the whole villain's plan didn't really make sense because she she recruits Elastigirl uh, to start this plot, and then part of her plan is Elastigirl catching her but if she just no wait oh i'm gonna cut this out so uh the the villain's plan is to get superheroes uh get this law passed to make superheroes legal again and then for the superheroes to go crazy and make people want to take the law back. But she could have just not recruited Elastigirl, and then the law would never have been passed in the first place, and she wouldn't need to make the law go away. I will give you that, yes, but I think what they were going for was that, like, these superheroes, like, because they could see, like, the, the crowd was getting bigger, like, in a sense of, like, we want to make this, make superheroes legal again. So I feel like they're almost like, let's fight the resistance before we get the resistance in a way. It's like, what's, like, how do I describe this? Let's make there be a reason for them not to be legal before they even, like, have a chance of becoming legal in the first place. You know what I okay. mean? Okay, that makes sense. All right. I try Shall we move on to our last one? Yeah, it's still our best movie. Oh, all right. Coming in at number one, and this is another really good one. I thought um, was a movie that Will gave an eight point oh. I gave it a seven and a half, leading to a seven point eight average. It was the really sweet Fred Rogers documentary entitled "Won't You Be My Neighbor." Won't you be my neighbor, Alex? I won't. Okay, it's worth a shot. So this is a pass. An exploration of the life, lessons, and legacy of iconic children's television host, Fred Rogers. Uh, you know, this was just really well made. Uh, I, I have to compare this to the RBG, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, uh, where they're both just like super great ideas on paper. And it's probably impossible to make a bad movie like about either of these people. But... Yeah. That movie was really just uh, people talking about how cool Ruth Bader Ginsburg was. It didn't really do much beyond that. But I I think this did a lot more in terms of direction, in terms of different ways to tell a story, in terms of different uh, archival footage being used. And I thought it had, it was much more profound than I'd even expected going into it. And I I had pretty high expectations. Um, and yeah, I don't, the only real problem I have 
is that sometimes it was a bit all over the place. It seemed a bit unfocused. It didn't really know what it wanted to talk about. So it sort of just jumped to a bunch of different topics. But other than that, you know, really good. Great. I will agree that it definitely did go all over the place at the moment because I had moments where I started feeling like emotional and like, like you really started feeling it. And then you go to something that's like not emotional at all. And it's like, oh, well, and then you go back to emotional. It's like, if they had something where they like, they piece it together more where it's like, all right, you have something emotional, then it gets more emotional and more emotional. Then you really feel the impact of this. I like, sorry, by the end, I definitely felt like, wow, that was really sweet, really nice. But it didn't have as profound an impact on me as I thought it would have. And I will acknowledge that part of this, I think, for both of us is that we were not alive for like Fred Rogers and we did not grow up watching his stuff. So it's hard for us to relate to that as much, but this thing could have been a little bit better. It's not as, in my opinion, as amazing. And people are saying this is like a legendary movie. Like there's nothing wrong with it. This movie is an hour and a half. And to me, it felt long. Maybe that's because I don't have as much patience for documentaries. Like I normally don't like them as much. But I did like this, so I will say like that's something because I, yeah, again, documentaries usually bore me, but this is really sweet, really nice, and yeah. For me, the the not being alive to see like the Mister Rogers show, I think that actually helped, like, sort of helped my experience because I didn't know a lot of what they were talking about, so it was all hmm. pretty new information. And I feel like if I had known more that's- about the subject matter, then it might not have been as compelling because. I would already like know these facts that they're introducing to me. But yeah, uh, if you're not into documentaries, you probably won't like this as much. Uh, but yeah. I actually, I, you know what, you did make a great point with that. Um, because you're learning this info strictly from their lens. And if you're, if you had grown up with it, I'm guessing you'd be like, oh, it wasn't painted this way. Like you'd be nitpicking a lot more. Yeah, there. and I think I think you have both ways. I feel like you could be one way, like it, it pulls on the heartstrings even more and brings back those memories. But then you're also more nitpicky and like it wasn't this way. So I feel like we sort of found a good middle where it wasn't. I don't think it could have been just an a, a phenomenal movie for us. I don't think, it, but I don't think it also could have been a bad movie for us at all. You know what I mean? Sure. No, okay. I tried. Like, I feel like not growing up with it sort of centered us more. Mm-hmm. Where, where, like, we grew up with it, we'd be, like, sort of knowing what to expect a lot more. And I don't know, just wouldn't have had as probably as big an impact. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. But, uh, all right. One thing I did not. You know, this is an documentary, so there's not many, I guess, spoilers. Uh, spoilers, like, he dies. But, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Um, but I didn't, I honestly, I didn't like the whole part of, like, the way they showed when he tried to, like, switch from be, doing a kid's program to an adult show. Uh, I felt they, like, I felt like they did that a little too long. But uh, I still think felt too long. I think it was necessary. Uh, I th- yes, I know, I'm not saying take it out. I just think. Uh, shorten it up a little bit. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Um, you know, it's a pretty necessary part of his life to show how he 
tried to start sharing his message with adults and how the, the tone didn't really work there. And I think that it sort of uh, drove in the message that adults are in general more cynical and less open to new, uh, new ideas and new ways of viewing the world than children are. And so that was the main thing I got out of uh, his uh, foray into trying to make TV for adults as well. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, I can't really argue with uh, a lot of your problems just since, you know, I know you're not a huge fan of documentaries and, you know, it's it's a personal preference thing. You know, you there's no no one has zero biases like I think I'm biased in favor of documentaries slightly. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're biased in everything. It's just human nature, yeah. and I hate when people say, like, I'm not biased, yeah. and you're biased at everything. Everyone sucks. Unless yeah, we all do. Um, okay, but one thing I really, really enjoyed in this was when they had, um, at near the end, when they show the kid with the um, in the wheelchair with the, I don't know what exact condition he had, but that whole moment where they had, like, the kid's they have this really nice moment with this kid, not like going into much detail. And Fred Rogers is just like so nice to him and it makes the kid so happy. That pulled at my heartstrings. That was just so nice. You know what I learned from this? What? Uh, Fred Rogers, you know, pretty nice guy. This Fred Rogers. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was pretty nice. Yeah. That was just so sweet. I mean, the whole thing was really nice. Um, did you like the interludes with um, his wife and his sister and all that stuff or no? Uh, I like them. But. That's always my least favorite part of documentaries uh, where they just like oh. have people talk about the person because that's like what the entirety of the Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary was. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I wasn't really a huge fan of those sections, but I didn't, I think that's a part of every documentary and they weren't overused here. Yeah. But all right. Uh, I, yeah. They existed. Exactly. Um, this is really sweet. I really don't have much more to add. Uh, yeah. You want to move on? Cause we've got more. Do we have more? We do. Um, I'll just set this. You want me to set this up? <laughs> oh yeah, we do. All right. Um, so because we'll literally, has no life or we'll say previously had no life and he has a little bit of life now he went and saw even more movies because yeah again has all the time in the world or something and he went and saw two movies in limited release that he's going to talk about a little bit um yeah so uh both of these you know i don't think they're even in theaters anymore like anywhere so you can probably just try to get them on digital soon but i definitely recommend both of them First of which being the writer, um, it is the directorial debut of Chloe Zhao uh, about this guy who suffers a near fatal head injury, and he's a young cowboy who undertakes a search for a new identity. So it's really uh, pretty much a coming of age movie uh, about this guy who wants to just yeehaw, but he can't yeehaw no more because he got hurt. But it stars. Uh, I didn't realize this until the end, but it stars this 
actual family that went through this. Uh, the main guy and his little sister and his dad, they all played basically just different named versions of themselves. Um, I gave this a 7.3. Most people like it a lot more than I do. And I think uh, you'll probably like it more than I did. And I still liked it a lot. It was really pretty. Lots of beautiful shots of South Dakota, which is where I think they were. If not, uh, you know, that, that area. And... Uh, go see it. It's pretty. It's pretty touching. I didn't cry like I did at Uncle Drew, but I hear that many people did. The other movie I saw is my favorite movie of the 63 that I've seen this year, and it's called First Reformed. Wow. It stars Ethan Hawke of the the first Purge movie and the first Sinister movie. And probably some other stuff. I feel like this is his best performance ever, easily. And it also stars Amanda Seyfried. I can never pronounce that. From Mamma Mia. Seyfried? Probably. From Mamma Mia and Mean Girls and the upcoming Mamma Mia. Here we go again. And they were both amazing. Uh, They both (laughs) gave easily the best performance of their careers. The writing in this is amazing. The cinematography is beautiful. The direction is great. The music is outstanding. Uh, It's directed by the guy who did Taxi Driver, Paul Schrader, and also he wrote it. And this is, oh, he also did Raging Bull, but he didn't, he hasn't really had much uh, in terms of like good movies since then. Um, I think this is the first thing he directed since like, uh, okay, no, he directed a lot of stuff in the 2000s that I've never heard of. So uh, probably don't watch those from what I've heard. But definitely watch this. It's very challenging. Um, it has... A, the only real criticism I have is that it has a very strong environmental message, which I did not know going in. But it's about this priest of a small congregation in New York at this pretty abandoned church. And... He meets this environmental activist who is Amanda Seyfried's wife. No, uh, he is Amanda Seyfried's husband, not wife. She is his wife. And they have a really deep philosophical conversation. And then it just really starts to change the way that Ethan Hawke views the world. And then it, it just goes pretty off the rails from there. And it's, it gets really weird. And I loved it. And that's that's all I got to say about this too. Fascinating. So, you know are you going to see? Because first I trust reform? your opinion so much. Alex. I, I intend to. I really do. Yay! I'm excited. All I right. hope you like it. I hope I like it too. Because if I don't, then I won't be happy. Because I don't like seeing movies I don't like. Because I'm human. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's pretty weird, just warning uh, you. Yeah, you know what? I loved a movie like Annihilation, so I'm fine with weird. More than that. Oh, yeah. Love Annihilation. Um, you want me to just preview what we have coming up? Yeah. All right. So do it. we're already about a weekend of July in terms of the movie releases, and we're in the second week right now. So in about 
a week's time, actually, we're going to podcast about the first half of the July releases. There's only five of them. Uh, it's not a great crop, but I think we have some good ones. We've got The First Purge, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation, Skyscraper, and Sorry to Bother You. Um, anything you're looking forward to especially? Uh, definitely Sorry to Bother You, and definitely nothing else. Wonderful. Um, you know what? I will... Yeah, I actually have to agree with you. I, was, I already saw Ant-Man. I'm not going to say anything more about it, but... Oh, yeah, I was true. really excited to see that. <laughs> so, I was too. Uh, All right. Yeah, it's yeah, about it. Got nothing else. You have anything? Um, I have an announcement oh, boy, to make. The podcast. Uh, you know, we had a really good run. Uh, but we're gonna have to take a short hiatus. Um, of one week. But then we'll be back to talk about more movies. Right, we're taking a yatus. Yes, a yatus. That's right. If you watch Big Brother, you'll know what that means. And if you don't, then you won't. If you don't, then you're probably not listening to this podcast. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, what if there's just one guy who like, doesn't watch Survivor or Big Brother or anything and just found this like through Googling movie morons? Yes, uh, or... Hashtag moving morons who the hell knows. Um, yeah, thank you. This was fun. Hope you people like this. Yeah, because I sure don't. Neither do I. All right. Well, that was a good. Thanks, Will. Good one. Good talking to you, Alex. Take care. Have a good one, everybody.